We're continuing. This is our second Sunday in our series that we're in right now called Faith Life, Living the Faith Life. And we're in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Uh, we started in Hebrews chapter 12 last week, and we said, the writer said, we got to get in this race. You got to run the race. You got to show up. You got to get up and run and be a part of what God's calling, in, calling you into. And with Jesus' help, we never give up. That's the thing. We're in the race of faith. Um, today we are going to start in Hebrews chapter 11 where we find out what faith is. And that might be a question some of you have asked and wondered about, uh, and it's really hard to define. Um, and so the writer here gives us, a, in verse 1, gives us his description of faith. It's an important time at what he's writing here uh, as we just get into this, this sermon this morning. It's an important time of what he's writing in the context of the letter because he's writing to, to a bunch of churchy people, Jews, who had accepted Jesus but kept trying to revert back to being kind of legalistic and churchy. Y'all know what churchy means, maybe not legalistic. They, they wanted to do all the things that looked right and, and, and on, the, on the outside. You know, you can be churchy and have a, a heart of stone. All right, and, and you see, God does not care about the outside. God looks after your heart. Now, a changed heart reflects that what's inside of it. But here he's writing to these Jews and he's saying, listen, this faith is not a new thing. It's not, not now that Jesus is here. Yes, we have faith in him and you can be saved in him and you don't have to do all your old sacrifices and all the things you used to have to do. You just trust in him and he saves you. You're forgiven. But he's saying this isn't a new thing. And so Hebrews 11 is like, hey, you remember what Abraham did? He did that by faith. You remember what Moses did? He did that by faith. And so he says, even in the Old Testament, all these people who were living out the things you thought were amazing, they were doing it by faith. So we're going to start this morning with a sermon called Faith Is. And we're going to look at what does the writer of Hebrews say that faith is. I want to tell you a story about, uh, to get us started this morning, about a lady by the name of Florence Chadwick. I doubt any of you have heard of her. Uh, she was a long-distance swimmer, um, and she, was, uh, she had set in her mind in the 1950s uh, to be the first woman to swim from Catalina Island to the coast of California. This is about 20 miles. You all swim 20 miles pretty often? Like, that doesn't even seem humanly possible to me. I barely get across a pool, you know. And, um, and so she decides she's going to swim from Catalina Island over to the coast of California and be the first woman that, that, to do this. And so she gets in the water that day, uh, and she's got, you know, the boats that kind of go beside her, and her mom's in one of the boats. I thought that was fitting for Mother's Day um, today as we talk about it. And they were going, going along beside her, kind of encouraging her and guiding her and directing her. But there was something about the weather that day. It was really foggy. And there was a couple days uh, last week that was super foggy. Y'all remember in the morning? Our little boy Harker, he's three, and he came downstairs, walked in the living room, looked out the window, and went, what happened to the outside? <laughs> like he hadn't seen fog, I guess, or paid attention before. And like that was his... Like, I can imagine being scared if I didn't understand fog and come down and look out the window and, like, you can't see anything. And so we tried to explain as best we could, like, it's a cloud on the ground. I don't know what you say. Um, but it was foggy. You couldn't see. And so she was trying to swim this great distance, and there was fog all around her. 
And as she was swimming, uh, she swam almost 20 miles. She actually got within a half a mile of the coast. And she, she told them, I can't go any further. Get me out. And they got her out of the water. And, and, and one author reported of what, what she said when she came out and when they asked her, uh, she said, look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I know I could have made it. If I could have seen the land, like the goal was not visible for her. And because she could not see it, she couldn't go another half a mile. She lost the hope, the assurance, the endurance, the perseverance because she couldn't see. Paul tells us here in Hebrews 11, I'm going to say Paul. Scholars debate who wrote Hebrews. Let's just go with Paul. Don't take it to the grave with you. Just easier to say. Paul says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. God is beyond the natural. God is beyond the physical. The only way you can really see and experience God is through faith. One commentator said that it's like you, you use your eyes to see what's in front of you. Like things you can't touch. Like I look at you all and I know you're out there. Thank you are. Could be crazy. But I see it and I believe you're out there and I think I could go out and shake somebody's hand right now. Well, faith is the same thing. It's the lens. It is the sense that God gave us to see the unseen. To be so confident and assured that he is with us, that he is present, that there are spiritual things happening and, work, happening and working in your life right now. Because there will be days when you cannot see the coast of California. When you cannot see tomorrow, when you cannot see the end of God's plan. But this lady, Florence, she decided two months later, she said, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to try this again. She gets in the water, same weather, foggy again. But she said, in my mind, I envisioned the coast. In my mind, with faith, I saw it in my mind, and I kept on swimming. She ends up doing it. She ends up swimming the Catalina Channel. She does it that time. She ended up swimming the English Channel. She did all kinds of amazing things. This morning, I want to talk to you about faith in your life. Where is it? What do you believe? What don't you believe? In the Greek, the word for faith, this is how it's described. And this is where I want us to start so you kind of have this to grapple with throughout the sermon. It's not going to be long, but it's going to be impactful. It's going to be important. Because sometimes we think as faith is something I just choose to have or I don't. But faith is beyond just our belief and our confidence. This is, this is what the description of the Greek word says. It's always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short, faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion. And therefore distinct from human belief or confidence, yet it involves it. The Lord continuously bursts faith in the yielded believer 
so that can, they can know what he prefers, the persuasion of his will. Today I want to talk to you about three things that faith is, why it's so important. Uh, the first thing we find here in Hebrews 11 one is that faith is life-changing. Faith is life-changing. When you become a new believer in Christ, your life is totally different. Immediately, you move from, uh, from, from uh, uh, a state of wondering of, of who am I? Who made me? Why am I here? What, what, what has God got for me? Or is there a God? And there's this, this moment that happens when God takes your interest and your belief and you're wondering about him and through the call of his Holy Spirit flips your heart upside down through faith. And in that moment, it is life-changing. So I want to I share some things that should be different about your life. If you have faith in Jesus, say there should, should be some things that are, are different in your life. One, it enables you to see the invisible. It enables you, we've already talked about that, to know that no matter what circumstances are happening in your life, you can just lean on Romans 8 that said, for, for God is working all things together for the good of those that love him and are called to his purpose. Like you can lean into that and you can see the unseen in your life that everybody else looks at your life and says it's falling apart and you say, no, God's got this. I'm good. This is great. I got this inner peace and this inner joy in my life. But he says, first of all, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Absent faith, we have no hope. <laughs> you have no hope in eternity. You have no present hope. And I believe when we put our faith in Jesus, we get both of those. We get hope that our life has changed in the present in a way that now all relationships are different. Our heart is different. The way we think is different. The, the way we treat people is different. We're no longer selfish. All of a sudden, we start to think uh, we feel differently about ourselves and we care more about our spouse than ourselves. And, and things start coming out from the inside. Instead of before, what we tend to do is stack up all the list of things we wish we were and try to be it because somebody else told us we should be this way. But when your life changes through faith, all of a sudden, like, your dreams are different. Your heart is different. And Bethany and I were just talking about this with a couple this morning. We were talking and, and, and about the process of sanctification, about how when you get saved over your, your Christian life, God just draws you closer and closer to him. And I was saying, you know, I remember, uh, like, when we were first saved and we were first dating and married, like, we'd watch movies, we'd watch, you know, whatever. We were, in the, we were watching R-rated movies, all this stuff, and, and, and it never bothered us. And all of a sudden, we started changing. And, and now I'm, like, laughing at us because if, if an episode of The Office is on, like, I get uncomfortable. I'm like, I used to sleep to The Office, right? Like, but there's things in it that all of a sudden... I don't know why. I'm not saying you can't watch The Office. I'm just saying for some reason in my heart, I feel different about it. Like I'm not not watching The Office because I don't think people should want me to. It's like I just don't want to. I don't want that in my head. I don't know how to explain that. But it's not about salvation. It is not about salvation. It's not like I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell if I watch The Office. Okay? It's like... I want to put my mind on pure things. 
And, and like when we are called in to faith life, it's a different life. It's a different place you're coming from. And he's calling us into righteousness and purity to be more and more like him so we can share and spread it with other people. You know, you become a child of God when you give your life to him. And you can be an obedient child or disobedient. You can be an obedient child or disobedient. The heart to do good and right, let me tell you, you heard me share last week that I'm as big a proponent as grace when it comes to salvation as you will find. But purity and righteousness and holiness, a heart for it, these things are not written out to just get us all stirred up and keep us from having fun. Like this is the direction to have peace in your life. Like your life will be more peaceful if you're not stealing from your neighbor, I promise. Your life will be more peaceful if you're not looking for your neighbor's husband. Your life, will be more, your life will be more peaceful if you don't put other gods before this one. Your life will be more peaceful if you control the bitterness in your heart. Like this is not don't have fun. You got to be boring church people. It's like I'm God. I made you. It's like, I mean... Uh, me and my father-in-law, we bought a grill one time. We didn't read the instructions. We put it all together, and we had, like, the one thing in the middle rung, like, the only thing that mattered on a grill, I mean, the flame, but also the thing you set the food on, <laughs> right? And we got to the end to put it on last, and we'd done something upside down, and it wouldn't go in. Like, why do we think we know more about how the grill goes together than the people who made it? But we do that about our own life. We think we know better about happiness and feelings and decisions that we make than the God who made us and gave direction for a peaceful life right here. Like we make every excuse and justify whatever to live contrary to it, and he's just calling us into it. But when you have faith, it is life-changing. You look different, you act different, you feel different. Not immediately. Not immediately. But you'll, what you'll find is that you dream different, you love different, you have a different heart, you care about different things, and your life begins to change. We have hope. We also find we have assurance here. That's the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith is life-giving. It's already almost 12 o'clock. This is awesome. <laughs> Faith is life-giving. Is life-giving both eternally? You've heard the good news of the gospel. The good news is every man has come short of the glory of God. We've sinned. The wages of sin are death. That means eternal separation from God. But the good news is God loved us so much he sent his only son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news for eternity all God wants from you is, for, is your faith and your belief and your trust and profession of him as Lord. That's it. That's all he wants. Just like we shared at Easter, the man, the, the thief on the cross, he got to heaven. He said, I'm here because the man in the middle cross said I could come. That, that's all you got to stand on when you get there. Jesus said I could come. So it changes our eternity, but it also changes our present. And, and, and I know I've shared this verse a lot, and I just keep going back to it because I think it's powerful in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, 
And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So don't ever get prideful about your faith. Because it is a gift of God. The fact that you believe and trust in him is in and of itself a gift of God. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, immediately our standing changes, because both is is life-changing, it's life-giving. Our standing in heaven changes. We go from condemned sinner with our works before God, him saying, all your righteousness are filthy rags to completely justified and accepted because we put our life and we've been covered by the blood of Jesus and his righteousness makes us white as snow and we become justified and we become accepted. I shared this morning, like, I'm so thankful for, you know, we've got a whole group of medical school students that have just become a part of our church family here. Like, I mean, and they have just... Man, they've been such a blessing to me. There are days I thank God for them. I probably don't tell them that enough. But they serve in our children's ministry on Wednesday nights. They're on our worship team. Like, they're just plugged in everywhere. They're here uh, many Thursdays at noon. You will find them in this room praying over every seat that you're sitting in. And I was thinking about them. I never went to medical school. But I can imagine what it might have felt like when you've applied everywhere and you get the letter back that says you're accepted. Like before that, you're afraid you're not going to get in. You're afraid you're not this or good enough and all that. And then there's that moment that you are accepted into medical school that your whole life changes. That's a life-changing moment. But it doesn't even compare to the moment when you are accepted into God's family. That you don't even have to look back anymore. You don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to be afraid. Like you've got this confident hope and assurance. You have been accepted. I'm a different person. God loves me. I'm in his family. There's no changing it. It is life-giving. And here's the beautiful thing. The the other part about the good news is that, that not only has God saved you, but he made you on purpose for a purpose. It is life-giving. All right, you can have life more abundantly with Christ than you can have without him. Actually, if you don't know the one who created you, let him speak into you and call you into what he's got for you, you're serving a different God. Sometimes it's yourself. Sometimes it's your job. But you've put something before God. It's life-changing. Ephesians 2.10, after this, he says, For we are God's handiwork. Another translation says we're his masterpiece. Like you're looking at yourself and thinking, I am not a masterpiece. I'm a hot mess. That's how I see myself. I'm a mess. Can I be honest with you? Straight-up mess. Yet Paul tells the church at Ephesus that I'm his masterpiece, that I'm his handiwork, that he created created me in Christ Jesus to do good things. Like if that verse stopped there, that's pretty powerful for me. 
I'm his masterpiece. He created me in Christ Jesus when I was born again. My life changed. He gave me life and he gave me purpose. And he said, go, be a witness and a light. But, and, and I'm created to do good things, to make a difference. Oh, but this last part is what really gets me. Is that he's already prepared the good things for me to do. Like he has real purpose that he is begging you. He is inviting you into that you cannot live out without faith expressed in love. You cannot reach these things. Hebrews 12, we said that you're going to run the race. And at the end, he said that it's set before you. Like God has already set it before you. He's inviting you to run it. And so it's, it's life-changing. It's life-giving. And we've really already said this. Uh, but it is life-saving. It is life-saving. You see, faith is the spark that ignites grace. It is a spark that ignites grace. And grace just means you don't get what you deserve. None of us get what we deserve. That means we're all the same level. You're no more holier than the next person you meet. You're no more deserving of heaven than the next person you meet, than, than the person that's in the prison, than the person's active in addiction, than the, than the person that is, that's, that's, that's destroyed their marriage through an affair. Like we are no better or, or we have no greater standing by our works to reach heaven than that person. Our heart for that person is draw them into to, 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 to Jesus. Just point them to Jesus. Like, it doesn't matter. You just got to believe in Jesus. And so I want to share just this last story uh, as, we, as we get ready to wrap up that, that demonstrates this. Uh, in Luke chapter 7, there's this story at the end of Luke 7. And, and, and there's a powerful thing if you see, if you read Luke 4 through Luke 7, and I'd encourage you to do this. And just take for a minute and jot down some notes of the people that Jesus met and who he comes across and where he meets them. The people that Jesus met in those few chapters and where he comes across them. Uh, it was not in a church. All right? We don't reach the world on Sunday morning in this church, in this, in this room. I mean, if that's all we're going to do, we're just another club. God has called each and every person. You've got good works, things, you've got a mission to go on, whether you're an electrician or an attorney. Wherever you go, God has called you to be a light in the darkness, and you can do that. He's called you into that. Luke chapter 7, the end of it, this Pharisee invites Jesus over. For dinner, and, and Jesus goes, I think Jesus liked to eat. He did that a lot. I mean, he's, a, he's human. He's 100% man, 100% God, and man, men, like, we like to eat. So he goes to eat with the Pharisee, and, um, and while he's there, the Pharisee's probably just interested in Jesus about who he is and, and what he's teaching. And uh, this other woman comes, not invited, and she, uh, the Bible just says she was a, uh, a sinful woman. She had all kinds of a, a reputation um, that, 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 that everybody knew about. And she shows up there, and, and Jesus, you know, when they were eating, they were not sitting around a table like you and me, you know, your farmhouse table. 
They didn't have that. They were, it was usually a lower table, and Jesus would have been kind of leaning on his elbow, a little stretched out, eating with the Pharisee, and there were some other guests there. Well, the sinful woman shows up, and she just comes in, and she begins, she just falls at Jesus' feet. And if you're wondering, what, what do I need to do to get rid of this guilt and this shame and this condemnation I got in my life? This is it. She comes in and she just gets at Jesus' feet and she begins to cry. She's weeping. And the tears are falling on Jesus' feet and, and, and she begins to dry his feet with her hair. She begins to anoint Jesus' feet with, with a, she had an alabaster jar and she had this expensive perfume or oil and she was anointing Jesus' feet. I'd be a little creeped out, honestly. The Pharisee is like, thinks to himself. He has a thought. He says he says this to himself. Jesus only knew who she was, where she's been, what drugs she's done, where she stayed last night, how many men she had last week. Jesus only knew he'd never let her be doing this. I love it. It says Jesus responds to the man's thoughts. Well, that's pretty deep, isn't it? Don't you love it when you're just thinking something and you think you're not sharing it with God and he just speaks right into it? The Pharisee was thinking those things and Jesus said, let me tell you a story. It's two people. They owe the bank some money. One of them owes $500. One of them owes 50 Banker decides... We're just going to forgive both debts. Who of those people is the most excited? Who's the most excited to have that forgiven? The Pharisee says, well, probably the one with the larger debt. And Jesus says, you're right. And he goes through this list. He says, see, I, I came to meet with you, and you think you're so righteous. You, don't have, you, you think you don't have any sin, yet you're just as broken as this person. So because of that, when I came through, it's it is normal for you to wash my feet. At that time, they wore sandals. The feet were dirty. When you went to somebody's house, they washed their feet. He says, you didn't even offer me a wash pan to wash my feet. He said, you didn't even anoint my head with oil. You didn't even give me anything that when I came here that you traditionally, you didn't do any of this. Yet this woman who you are seeing as sinful and hopeless and something to avoid, her heart is broken and she is worshiping me because she knows more than you that she needs me. And she is on her knees and she is crying before me. And this is her living her faith out through worship. Her heart is changed. And Jesus said, woman, your sins are forgiven you. The other guests, they just they freaked out. They said, whoa, whoa, only God can forgive sins. Still not getting it that Jesus was man and God. He was the Messiah. He was the prophet. And, he, and here's what he said to her. And this is what you've got to get a hold of. If you want to live into your purpose for Jesus, if you want to live for God, if you want to have faith that is life-changing, life-giving, life-saving, this is how simple it is. He just said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
There's some things right now in your life you cannot see. You are deep in the fog. Your arms are tired. You have swam all you can swim. In other words, you've been carrying a heavy yoke, trying to dig your own way out, trying to please God, trying to please your family, trying to please your mom. That's a good thing to do. But your arms are tired. This morning, God's given you a gift. The gift of faith. That allows you to see beauty in messes. That allows you to find joy in mourning. This faith that gives you the divine persuasion that is something more than you just believe in, something you feel deep in your spirit, that gives you the hope and assurance that you have been forever saved and immediately changed. When God gets a hold of you, you know it. You know my life is different. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this gift of faith. We thank you that it is life-changing, that it is life-giving, that it is life-saving, God, we just pray today that you would let us see through the fog. You would give us this hope and assurance in the middle of uncertainty to rest on the truth that there's nothing you can't do. God, that you are faithful to all the promises you've given us. God, let us lay off the burden of works that we carry on ourselves, that we think that's what it requires to be saved or to please you. God, let us rest our salvation at the cross, and that's the only place. But God, from that point forward, let us begin to live a life that reflects the change that is in our heart. God, change our hearts. Change our dreams. Change our desires. Change our relationships. Change the way I treat my kids. Change the way I treat my spouse. Change the way I feel about my neighbor. Change the way I feel about this town and the leaders. God, I just pray you give me your heart today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.